Hi, this is Pastor Scott Stroud, and I'd like to thank you for joining us online today as you're watching this sermon series. I know that COVID has had a big impact on the church, and many people have been viewing from home uh, for three years now. And so, if you're one of those, thank you for coming and interacting with us online. But I would also like to extend a personal invitation to come and check us out here at Elam. And we know that fellowship is very important. According to the Bible, we should not uh, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And as you're thinking about, can you come now and, and venture out and join us uh, in, in person, uh, we would like to invite you and welcome you into the fellowship aspect of our worship time. Hope to see you soon on some Sunday at 10 a.m. of us who have been Christians for more than just a few months recognize that the Christian life is one of peaks and valleys. We know there are times when we feel like we're on top of the world, that we're walking in perfect step with what the Lord has for our lives, and that at other times we are in such a deep crevice or a deep valley that we may even wonder, are we still children of God? Are we even Christians? But I think that if we can recognize that God has a purpose for each of these phases of our lives, we will not end up being ruled by our emotions. And today in our text, this deals with the mountaintop. Jesus takes some of his disciples up to the mountaintop. And many of us have experienced mountaintop events, whether it was fly or a retreat or maybe just a personal spiritual breakthrough. And there are five things that I believe that the Lord wants to show us for us to learn about this mountaintop period in our lives. And so first of all, the mountaintop is a place of prayer. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus would often withdraw away and go on a personal retreat. He would pray with the Father, sometimes all night long. And here he wants to teach that lesson to Peter, James, and John. And so he takes them up away to a high mountain. But I want you to notice that what happens to the disciples here can frequently happen to us. They are overcome with tiredness. They end up falling asleep, possibly because of the length of time that Jesus is spending there praying. And many times when we decide that we're going to draw away, we're going to spend some time in prayer, we get hit with this wave of tiredness. <laughs> Prayer seems like so much work. But it was never work to Jesus. It was his time to become refreshed. And there are a few strategies to consider that I think will help us stay alert in our prayer times. Number one, we recognize that prayer is just talking to God. We're just having a conversation. We don't need to you know, transform into some uh, elaborate speech. I mean, that can become tiring in and of itself. Number two, the devil hates it when we pray and would love nothing more than to distract us away from those things that God wants us to speak to him about, to have a conversation. And also that retreats and camps are a great time because we get to pull away from society and all the things that are going on, especially retreats where we leave our phones alone and we just focus in on what the Lord has for us. And those things that we learn on those mountaintops, we can take down into the valley and apply them to our own prayer lives. 
Second, I want you to see here that Jesus shows the disciples that the mountaintop gives you a better view. One of the reasons that Jesus brought Peter, James, and John up to the mountaintop was because they were in his inner circle. He revealed things to those three that he didn't reveal to all of the disciples. In the previous chapter, he had invited those same three men in to witness the resurrection of a dead girl. And it was no mistake that they were there to see Jesus transfigured. They were allowed to see a different side of Jesus. They were allowed to see his glory. They were allowed to see his brightness. And perhaps they would remember that when times were dark for them. Perhaps Peter would remember that day on the day that he was crucified upside down for the Lord. Perhaps James would remember it right before he was beheaded by King Herod. And perhaps John would remember it on the days when he was in exile on the island of Patmos. Some of you have experienced perhaps a revelation from the Lord while you were on the mountaintop. And perhaps that clearer vision of Jesus has sustained you through some dark times in your lives, those times in the valley. When Jesus was on the mountaintop, he was talking with Moses and Elijah. And we get a little peek into the conversation. It says they were talking about his departure, or the word there in the original is his exodus. And so, many times for us, we see suffering ahead. And sometimes the Lord is calling us away to bring us to the mountaintop, to encourage us and strengthen us and prepare us for that time. The third thing we see here is that the mountaintop is not permanent. As the disciples are jolted from their sleepiness, they realize what's going on. And they're getting a glimpse of their master in his glory, they have the privilege of seeing two of the most significant leaders in their history, Moses and Elijah. And sensing that the moment is wrapping up, the moment is passing, and these two Old Testament figures are leaving now, Peter, the impulsive one, has an idea. Let's build some huts here for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And I'm just like that. When I get to the mountaintop, I want it to be permanent. I want to feel that way all the time. I want to feel that closeness continue. I want those things that I've seen up there and heard that are ringing in my ears to continue staying in my mind all the time, right in front of me, bathing in the glory. But do you know the mountaintop was never meant to be permanent? There's not a whole lot of life up on the mountaintop. If you notice, Jesus was not transfigured in front of the crowds, in front of the people in the valley. He didn't want those people to follow him because of his glory, because of his shining face and clothing. This happened to Moses as well. When he was up on the mountaintop, he came down and he was actually still shining from the glory and he covered his face in order for the people to not see that glory. But he couldn't stay up there. God commanded him to go down into the valley to the people because they were in chaos. They needed help. They needed his leadership down there. And this was Jesus' task as well as ours. We are to bring what we have seen and experienced down to the people in the valley. 
The last mountaintop experience that I had was just actually last weekend when my daughter Cassie was um, getting married and so they had what they called the first look for the father. And I was standing there with my eyes closed and it was taking her a little while to get out and so I was just praying. I was praying about you know, all the time that I'd spent with Cassie, all the, you know, seeing her grow up and, you know, just the, from a little girl into a teenager, into a young woman. And as I turned and I looked at her for the first time, the Lord just hit, I mean, I, it was embarrassing. I, I was like sobbing on my wife's shoulder, you know, because the Lord showed me so much in that moment. He showed me the love of the father for the bride and how he gives the bride to his son Jesus. And I wanted that moment to linger for a long time. I wanted to feel that way, that connection with my daughter for a very long time, but the next thing I knew it passed like that, and I was standing in an empty barn. Everybody was gone. And if I wanted to stay and linger in that moment, I wouldn't be able to take that and apply it to my life and bring it into the normal situation. And it's obvious that Peter didn't want those things to pass either. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't recognize what the purpose is for the mountaintop. The next thing we see here is that the mountaintop is a place to listen. One of the tools that Christian camps and retreat centers use in regard to their camps is small group discussion. And so you maybe hear a speaker and then you get together with four or five people and you talk about the message and you get to share your own particular ideas, maybe ask some questions. And I think that Peter was kind of hoping for this kind of small group discussion while they were up on the mountain. Hey, let's process this. Let's stay up here for a while. I gotta figure out what's going on here. But he finds out pretty quick who's in charge and who's doing the speaking when the father's voice comes from the clouds. Discussion is good at certain times because it does help us to process what we are learning. But on the mountaintop, it's not so good because God has a particular message that he wants to give you. And if you're busy gabbing, you'll probably miss it. The message that the Father gives here is one that was heard before. In fact, I would say it's the main message that God the Father would have us paying attention to in regard to Jesus. This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Stop your gabbing, Peter. It's pretty just, uh, funny to see hundreds of pastors at pastor's conferences like the ones that I've been at. They're sitting in the sessions and they're listening to one particular guy talking, but they're actually sort of vibrating, waiting for the break so that they can talk because they're not used to being quiet for so long. And when I lived in Minnesota, there was a place that I wanted to avoid like the plague. It was called Pachaman Terrace. And it was a retreat center. And they had built out in the woods these little cabins that held a bed, a little simple desk, and that was it. And then a window that looked out over the woods there. And you were supposed to go there and take a silent retreat, fasting and just have your Bible and sit there quietly for a day, two days, whatever it might be. I mean, I was like... Torture to me, I'd be, be bouncing off the walls in there. But the longer I have lived, the more I realize that each of us needs those times. We need those silent times to not talk, but to listen. Because prayer is a two-way conversation, right? It's not us just blabbing on and on about all the stuff that we want to need. 
We're listening to God to see what he has, the direction for our lives. And actually, I, did, I, I think I did do something like this retreat one time. It was when I was in prison. It was called solitary confinement, the longest seven days of my life. So uh, there's that. The next thing we see here is that the mountaintop is personal. In this passage, we see that there are are the three disciples there, and Jesus tells them that they're not to go down and tell the other disciples about what happened. How difficult would that be, right? They've just seen Moses and Elijah and Jesus in his glory, but they're to wait until after he's died to tell the others. In the other two parallel passages, we see the reason why. Jesus commands them to remain silent Because sometimes those things that are shown to us on the mountaintop are just for us and just for the moment. We might be compelled to share those other things with other people. But we must realize that there are some things that are just for the moment, just for an appointed time for us that other people may not understand. Have you ever been reading an amazing book? Maybe it's a Christian book, or maybe it's just a book where there's some great, you know, spiritual insight. And you come to a part that's just shouting off the page, this is the most amazing thing I've ever read. And so you turn to your spouse, or perhaps a friend that's sitting there, and you say, this is amazing, and then you read it to them, and they just kind of sit there, maybe they kind of give you a little bland smile, or whatever, oh, that's nice, you know. And you're wondering, why aren't they just like falling apart like I am? Why aren't they just celebrating this moment? Well, it's because God's speaking to you in that moment. He's saying something special to you. He's led you up to that. And they're not in that place at that time. When we come back to the valley from the mountaintop, the people that were not there to experience it might not be as excited as you are. In fact, they might be a little jealous, (laughs) that you got to see the mountaintop and they didn't. I mean, the disciples are already fighting after this anyways, right? They get into this big argument about who's the greatest. And I could just see Peter just, oh, I wish I could just tell them right now how great I am, that I got to be chosen to see Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so Jesus didn't want that. In fact, he told them, the greatest in the heaven is the servant of all. And making yourself seem more important because you have a particular spiritual insight that nobody else got is not serving them. It's puffing yourself up and becoming proud. In conclusion here, we need mountaintop experiences. Statistics show that those who have had at least one mountaintop experience in their life have a much more solid faith. And I would submit to you that we need these mountaintop experiences on a regular basis. We need to go away to these camps and retreats and maybe a marriage seminar. We need time out of the valley so that we can get a fresh perspective on who Jesus is, so we can have a moment to see his glory, so we can have a moment to hear the Father again. We need to be refreshed for the valley because the valley is tough. That's where the battle is taking place. That's where the hard decisions are happening. And so my challenge to you this year, all of you here at Elam, is to plan some kind of retreat. The women actually just went on one uh, about a month ago here and had a wonderful time. They came back from the mountaintop. 
And us men, we need to do that, or individual retreat, or a marriage retreat, whatever it might be that you need to refresh, uh, go off and do that. Because my desire as your pastor is to see you follow Jesus up to those mountaintops so that you can bring that life down to the valley. We need spiritually charged people. Especially when we see some lethargy happening to the church, that's a time to go off and bring that back in. I'm excited for Fly because we've got these six students who are going up to the mountaintop and the three leaders. And they're going to be bringing back some of that recharge with them to the valley. And so as we consider this mountaintop, pray for the mountaintop experience, but also remember that you will return to the valley where the real work happens. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the mountaintop experiences that you've given us. You've shown us your glory. You've spoken to us through times of prayer and refreshment, through speakers and music and worship times and all of these things, conversations that we had. Lord, I pray for each one here today that you would grant them a mountaintop experience this year, that you would give them the chance to go up to the mountain so that they might bring back some of that glory to us here in the valley. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.